There are three layers of prayer I've taught you before. Hemos enseñado que hay tres niveles de la oración. The first level is when we pray for ourselves, and uh, that's a good place to start. Jesus said to teach, taught us, saying, give us this day our daily bread. So God cares about our needs. Amen, somebody. But the next level of prayer is when you intercede for someone else. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight. El siguiente nivel de oración es cuando intercedemos a favor de alguien más. Y esto es lo que vamos a hacer esta noche. Abraham woke up early in the morning to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Abraham se levantó temprano por la mañana para interceder por Sodoma y Gomorra. Y aunque no pudo salvar a la nación, salvó a su familia. Although he was not able to save the whole nation, he was able to save his family. And that is uh, a testimony we can all have in our own life. And then the third level of prayers when we enter into the throne room of God and address God as the judge of all the earth. And this is when we understand he's my father. I can ask him about my personal needs, but he is also my friend. I can intercede on behalf of others. But then he is also the most powerful person I know. He is the judge of all the earth. And he has the last say, and he gives the verdict. And a judge not only gives out sentences, we're familiar with that process, but a judge is also able to rule on a matter and to dismiss a case and to decide in favor of one or another. And tonight we are going before God as the judge of all the earth, asking him to rule in favor of his word and of his people uh, whom he has blessed. And as we do that tonight, I know God is going to hear us. As you share your petitions, I know we'll intercede and God will hear them as well. And if you have a need Tonight, no doubt, as we pray, God will answer. Uh, uh, before we pray tonight, I want to uh, share with you a few passages from Scripture regarding the nation of Israel. Antes de orar, esta noche vamos a uh, leer algunas porciones de la, de la Escritura. If uh, the ushers could start collecting the prayer cards. Si usted tiene su tarjeta, levántala, por favor, y una ujier va a venir a recogerla. Just hold that up, and an usher will come and take that from you. If you're online, please share those requests as soon as you can, and we'll include them tonight. The nation of Israel, the Bible describes as the apple of God's eye. La Biblia describe la nación de Israel como la niña del ojo de Dios. And uh, tonight I'm going to begin with you in Isaiah 66, verse 8. Vamos a comenzar en Isaías 66, verso 8 esta noche. The apple of the eye is uh, considered to be the pupil. Uh, se se, la niña del ojo se considera lo centro del ojo. When you get something trying to fly into your eye, what do you do by instinct? Block it, right? Cuando algo quiere tocar tu ojo, lo, lo paras. And if you ever got a little piece of sawdust or dust in your eye, you try to get that out as soon as possible. And God says about the nation of Israel that they are the apple of his eye. That his people are the uh, center of his, of his attention and that he prepares to protect them and to defend them. And in Isaiah 66, I want to begin there with you tonight. Isaiah 66, verso 8, the Bible says, 
Who has heard such a thing? It's an expression of amazement and wonder. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Can a lamb be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she has brought forth her sons. Now, the amazement is in this fact, comparing it to giving birth. And it's saying, who has ever heard of a, of a birth that only took one day? Ever heard of that? No? They normally take nine months. And here God says, and have you ever heard of a nation that was born in one day? A nation, a people with land and with uh, cities and so on in one day. And yet uh, we see that miracle uh, being performed in the history of our world through the nation of Israel. And scripture says, Zion travailed and brought forth her son. Now, I'll, I want to mention that this, this passage of scripture was literally fulfilled in 1948. Este pasaje de la escritura, Isaías 66, verso 8, dice, ¿Podrá una nación nacer en un día? En el, en el 1948, hace 75 años, nació la nación de Israel a donde está hoy. 75 years ago, this year, uh, a nation was born. Now that's a miracle. Ese es un milagro. The reason that's a miracle is because Israel had not been a nation since the year 70 A.D. Desde el año 70, después de la muerte de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, Israel no había sido nación. That's nearly 2,000 years. And it is historically unprecedented. Es algo sin precedente en la historia que una nación que haya cesado de existir por casi dos mil años regrese a existir de nuevo. It's unprecedented in history for a nation that ceased to exist to exist again. And this ancient nation was born uh, again. Esta nación nació de nuevo. In el, in el 48, was born again in 1948 when uh, it declared its existence, it's, it's, uh, it established itself as a nation, and the United States was the first nation in the world uh, 12 minutes later to recognize Israel as a state. And the, uh, the nations began to follow, the United Nations and so on. Uh, Israel fue establecida en un día, en, en, en el 48. And that was a fulfillment of God's promise that he would restore to the Jewish people the land which he had spoken and promised to their father Abraham. And that wasn't just 2,000 years before. That was 4,000 years from now. That's how far, how far back God uh, went to fulfill his covenant to the people of Israel. And this miracle people uh, has been a blessing to the world. Este pueblo ha sido un milagro y es una bendición al mundo. You say, what did the Jews ever do for me? Well, first of all, they gave us the Bible. Somebody say amen. How many of you, how many of you like the Bible? The word of God was brought to us by the Jewish people. Forty authors wrote the scriptures, every one of them 
Jewish. The Old Testament is the Jewish uh, holy book. And every word of our Old Testament is part of their holy, uh, holy book. Part of their Bible, as it were. And so we can't have Christianity. There's no Christianity. Christianity does not exist without the Jewish people, without the Bible. No hay cosa tal, uh, tal cosa como el cristianismo sin la nación judía. De ellos nació, uh, uh, naci nació el cristianismo. Y la Biblia se nos fue dada por medio de ellos. The other blessing that's universal, la otra bendición que ha sido universal and which all of us have enjoyed is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jewish people gave us Jesus. La nación judía nos dio a Cristo. How many of you love Jesus? Our Savior, our Redeemer, our Messiah was given to us by the nation of Israel. Nuestro Mesías, nuestro Señor, a nuestro Salvador, fue dado a través de la nación judía. Don't ever forget that Jesus was not an American, wasn't a, a European, he was a Jew. A child descendant of Abraham. Jesús es descendiente de la nación de Israel. And when he was crucified, they called him the king of the Jews. And when he returns to the earth, he's not going to sit at the White House to rule the earth. He's not going to go to Buckingham Palace. He's not going to go the, to the uh, Hague. He is going to go to the city of Jerusalem and reign on the earth for a thousand years as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the King of the world will be reigning from Israel. And you and I love him and serve him and expect him to come. How many of you expect him to come? Well, his first prom his coming was promised to the Jews. We've kind of piggybacked on their promise. But this great, glorious promise of his return is primarily a promise made to the Jewish people, which we also anticipate. And so tonight, when we look at Psalm 83, we see a reality that the Jewish people have dealt with and are dealing with until the, the, the return of Christ. And that is tremendous persecution. Cuando vemos el Salmo 83, vemos una realidad que el pueblo de Israel ha tenido que sufrir uh, por toda su existencia y va a sufrir hasta, el, uh, hasta la venida de nuestro Señor. The Jews have made, have paid a terrible price for bringing us the word of God and the son of God. Los judíos han pagado un terrible precio por traernos la palabra de Dios y el Hijo de Dios. And so the Bible says there, O God, do not remain quiet and do not be silent. O God, do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar and those who hate you have exalted themselves they make shrewd plans against your people. They conspire together against your treasured ones. They have said, come and let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind against you. That, uh, against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and then he mentions the nations there. And I want to just uh, pause there for a moment and, and explain to you that this passage 
describes uh, a particular assault that came against the nation of Israel during the time of their kings. But it is the reality of the nation of Israel that the, the conspiracy against the Jews has existed throughout their entire uh, existence. From the days of Abraham until the time of Christ's return, there is a are going to continue to arise a conspiracy against the, uh, the Jews. Sometimes it's a great number of nations, sometimes one or two, but all throughout we see it in the scriptures. I'll make reference to the fact that in the book of Esther, one man named Haman raised up, made a conspiracy against the Jews, and passed a law saying that on one day any person could kill a Jew and, and take their house and their possessions as their own. You could become... Rich overnight by killing a Jew. And this conspiracy was against the Jewish people. It was revealed by the plans of God. And uh, God raised up a young lady named Esther who had become the queen of the Persian Empire. Now remember that story? And the scripture says that her uncle came to her and said, you have to go and talk to the king about this business. And she said, if I go in there without an invitation, it's, I'll be done for. I'll be dead. And she, he said, well, God will save his people somehow, with or without you. But it could be that you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And here's what he was telling Esther. He was saying, look, you can hide in the closet if you want. It's not going to save you. God will save his people, but you have a responsibility to stand with them. And God dissolved that conspiracy against the nation of Israel and saved them. And then not so long ago, perhaps long ago for some of us, because we live in very short increments of time now, but not so long ago, a conspiracy was raised against the Jewish people in the nation of Germany through the political party of the Nazis under the leadership of Adolf Hitler, and they systematically killed six million Jews, along with other nations and other people groups. But six million Jews were killed. Why? Because they were Jewish. And it took nations to come and, and uh, stop the... the uh, increase of that regime and of that government and by the grace of God World War II ended the way it ended and it ended with victory for the uh, allies and victory for the Jewish nation and out of that great travail out of that great trauma was born the state of Israel as we know it today and in 1948 a nation was born in a day through all this persecution, has it ended there? Since they became a nation, they've been dealing with persecution still. Uh, there was an invasion of the nation of Israel upon its declaration of existence. Again, during the Six-Day War and again 50 years ago during the Yom Kippur War, nations rose up against Israel. And for the last 50 years, they have not been at a state of war. There have been attacks, uh, and sometimes we think, oh, they're always at war. They're, that's always going to be that, that way. It's, what's the big deal? But this, this last week was different. 
and the the trauma that the nation has experienced is uh, incalculable for us. I want you to just think about this. Give me your attention, please. Israel is a tiny little nation. If you want to know how big it is, just drive from here to Port Aransas, and you've just crossed the nation of Israel. That's how wide it is. You drive from here to Beaumont, you'll have driven the entire length of the nation of Israel. It's not very big, is it? Here we live in Texas, we stretch out our legs and it takes us 20 hours to drive from one end of state to the other. But there, in just a couple of hours, you can cover the entire country. And this assault which they have experienced, and all of these assaults which they have experienced, are going to continue to, to occur until Christ returns. So what does the Bible tell us to do? Look at Psalm 122, verse 6. Amir el Salmo 122, verso 6. ¿Qué debemos de hacer? Dice la Escritura, orar por la paz de Jerusalén. He says there in uh, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper that love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. He says, orar por la paz de Jerusalén, que prosperen los que la aman. And may peace, uh, y que la paz esté dentro de sus paredes y la prosperidad and sus palacios. God here commands us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Aquí el Señor nos manda a orar por la paz de Jerusalén. What are we really praying for when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Jerusalem will not truly have peace until Jesus Christ reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. So when we say we're going to pray for the peace of Israel, we're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're saying we're going to pray for Christ to come. And of course we're praying tonight for peace because they have entered into a state of war. First time in 50 years they are dealing with the loss of over a thousand civilians and uh, military personnel. They're dealing with the assault of a rocket fire. They're dealing with the threat of other nations coming into the conflict. Uh, Russia and Turkey seem to be conspiring against them. And they need peace tonight. They need peace because they're mourning, because they're grieving, because they are terrorized. They need peace because they need the presence and the power of God uh, to come in their defense. And here's what the scripture says. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem that you may have peace. So God says, look, I will, I will give peace to your house when you take responsibility for praying for peace in my house. How many of you need some peace at home? And then he says, they will prosper who love her. Why should I love Jerusalem? Why should I love Israel? I love New York. Okay, well, fine. But here's why you should love Israel, because God loves Israel. Because God loves Jerusalem. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, just in case somebody says, well, that's all Old Testament. That has nothing to do with me. I already told you, you don't have a New Testament without the Old. But look at what Paul says here. And Paul, uh, writing to the Romans, and in the, Romans, uh, in the Roman church, there were Gentiles and Jews, mostly Gentiles. And they were kind of arrogant about it. They thought they were better than the Jews. Well, y'all rejected Jesus. We didn't. And this type of thing. And Paul says to them, You're, don't boast over the Jews. Because if it weren't for them, the tree you're eating fruit from would have no roots. But here's what he said. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, he's talking about the nation of Israel, is for their salvation. Paul says, my prayer, what burdens my heart is the, the salvation of the nation of Israel. Romanos uh, 10.1, Pablo nos dice ahí para los que piensan que todo esto es Antiguo Testamento. Aquí está Pablo en el Nuevo Testamento diciéndonos, hermanos, ciertamente el anhelo, el anhelo de mi corazón y mi oración a Dios por Israel es para salvación. Él deseaba verlos salvos. He desired to see them saved. Tonight we're praying for the salvation of Israel from these uh, uh, terroristic uh, threats. We're praying for the salvation of Israel uh, from this war and deliverance in this conflict. But we're also praying for their salvation in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they would come to know Christ as Savior. Now, this should matter to us also because in Romans 1, verse uh, 16 and 17, Paul tells us there is a sequence in the way God has worked with the nations. And in Romans 1, 16, you know this verse, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Everyone who is saved, say amen. amen. To everyone who believes. How many of you have believed? What does it say? To the Jew first and also the Greek. Say that with me. To the Jew first. So you can say, well, why should Israel matter to me? Because, uh, well, God says here it's the Jew first and then the Greek. And if you read in chapter 2, just so you don't get jealous, in chapter 2, when God pulls out the paddle and starts correcting the nations, he says, Jew first. And then the Greeks. So you don't have to be jealous about it. Because God blesses them first. And he corrects them first. Why? Because they were the first to have the word. They were the first to have the Ten Commandments. They were the first to have the presence of God. They were the first to know. And so they're the first to receive correction. That gives then the Gentiles no excuse for boasting over the Jews and saying, we're, well, we're better than them. No, because God, God created a people out of nothing. He had to create a people out of nothing in order to bring us a savior. And that people was the nation of Israel. And he has not abandoned them. He has not rejected them. He calls on us to recognize that the gospel came through them. It came to them first. And then also all the nations of the earth. Aren't you glad the gospel came? You, do you know who uh, St. Peter is? Y'all know Peter? Jewish. 
What about the Apostle John? Jewish. What about the Apostle James? Jewish. He came through the Jews. And he says here through the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Now, if you go a little bit further in the book of Romans to, to Romans chapter 11, and you see there the purpose of God for the nation of Israel. In Romans chapter 11, verse 1, he says, I say then, God has not rejected his people. I want you to say that with me. God has not rejected his people. Now, the reason that's important is because there are some Christians who teach that God rejected the nation of Israel and created a new nation called the church. And that Israel is cast away, gone, no, matter, no longer matters. Paul says, no, God has not rejected his people. May it never be. For I too am an Israelite. We're no, no, no confusion about what he's talking about. A descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. He says it again in verse 2. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. So right now, let me just put this in perspective for you. Less than 1% of Jews in the world believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Because when, when Christ came and there was a rejection of Christ, a blindness came over them. And the Gentiles have been coming in by the thousands, by the millions during this dispensation. But the day is coming when the Bible says the time of the Gentiles is going to come to an end. And when that time of the Gentiles comes to an end, the eyes of the Jews are going to be open. The scripture says they will see him whom they pierced. That's his hands and his feet. And there will be a mighty return of the Jewish nation to Christ. Somebody should say amen for that. So look at what Paul says he, in verse 11. He says, I say then, did they not stumble uh, so as to fall? Did they? May it never be. But by their transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Now, if their transgression is riches to the world and their failure is riches to the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? Here's what Paul says. If the rejection of Christ by the Jews resulted in the salvation of millions upon millions of Gentiles, what's going to happen when they accept him? That was their failure. Imagine when they succeed. What's going to happen when they, when, when they receive him? He's going to return to the earth and he's going to rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years and there will be peace on the earth for 1,000 years. Say amen, somebody. Look at verse 15. For if their rejection is reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life? 
from the dead. God is going to keep his promise to the nation of Israel, and he's going to keep his promise 